I hope you're not tired this morning, because this is going to be a deep homily. When I say deep, like, get your thinking cap on, you know, take some coffee if you're watching it by later. Take some coffee, wake up. This is going to be a, a deeper homily, get our mind thinking. And at some point, you may be like, Father, this is, this is just over my head. But that's okay. That's okay. Because we need to sometimes exercise this brain that God has given us. So the first thing is on the Holy Trinity, a, a definition. What is the Holy Trinity? So Holy Trinity is, we believe that in one God, so we don't believe in three gods. We're not, uh, you know, we're not polytheists here. That is, we believe in many gods. We believe in one God, one God, but one God and three divine persons. So it's one God. We don't believe in three gods. One God, but three divine persons. Each of the persons of the Trinity have a divine nature, but they're distinct in their personhood. So they're three different divine persons. So who are the three divine persons of the Holy Trinity? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we worship all three persons of the Holy Trinity. All three persons of the Holy Trinity have manifested themselves, have revealed themselves over time and stages because we, we can't take it all at once. It's too much for us to take all at once. And so the Holy Trinity reveals itself in stages, reveals itself in creation. You can see the works of the Holy Trinity. And the Holy Trinity still is revealing itself to us. Why does the Holy Trinity not reveal itself totally to us? Because we can't take it. Because our brains are only this small. And we, we can't take it. It's only going to be an eternity. And the Holy Trinity will keep revealing itself to us. So it's a great mystery to us. But that's a basic of what's called the hierarchy, hierarchy of truths of the faith. The center of it to be a Christian is to believe in the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So how do we begin Mass? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Notice that? We're invoking the Holy Trinity at the beginning of Mass. The Holy Trinity is invoked throughout the Mass. And the prayers, if you really listen to the prayers, we invoke the Father, we invoke the Son, we're invoking the Holy Spirit. And then the end of Mass itself ends with the blessing of the Holy Trinity. The priest says, go, get out of here. I bless you in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He doesn't say get out of here, I'm just saying that. But he says, go, and then he blesses you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we begin the Mass with the Holy Trinity, we're blessed with the Holy Trinity, and then we end the Mass with the blessing of the Holy Trinity. So it's here throughout the Mass. So if you don't understand anything I'm going to say today, at least just participate in the Mass, because then you're participating in the Holy Trinity. Now, to go a little bit deeper, and of course, I'm going to use the Catechism. So usually I don't use materials, but when it comes to the Holy Trinity, I'm going to use the Catechism, lest I fall into heresy. So Catechism has some great things about the Holy Trinity. Again, if this goes over your head, just try to, you know, just take out the wax out of your ears and say, can you say that again? I'm going to give you the paragraphs in the catechism that you could read 
are your own. So these are not the pages, these are the paragraphs. So first thing Catechism says, I'm not gonna read everything, I'm just gonna read parts. This is paragraph 257. And it says, O blessed light, O trinity and first unity. God is eternal blessedness, undying life, unfading light. God is love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God freely wills to communicate the glory of his blessed life. Such is the plan of his loving kindness conceived by the Father before the foundation of the world and his beloved Son. He destined us in love to be his sons and to be conformed to the image of his Son through the spirit of sonship. This plan is a grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, stemming immediately from Trinitarian love. It unfolds in the work of creation, the whole history of salvation after the fall, and the missions of the Son and the Spirit, which are continued in the mission of the church. So one thing we know about the Trinity is that the Holy Trinity is communicating itself to us. Through creation, we're created in the image and likeness of God. And then after the fall, God the Father has sent the Son to redeem us. And then after the Son redeemed us, then he sends the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, to renew us in the image and likeness of God. And God's whole plan of salvation for us is to communicate his blessedness, his holiness, his goodness, his love to each and every single person in the world so that we come to know God, we come to love God, and so that where God is, we may also be, that is, in heaven, dwelling with God. And that God has adopted us through baptism and made us his sons and daughters. So in, in the Trinity, it's like a family. And God wants us to be a part of this family of the Holy Trinity and communicate this goodness, this love, this mercy, this blessedness to us. And, and to have us go to heaven with him for all eternity. And so, and God continues to do that. He continues to do that throughout history. Now, Another passage, this is 259. Being a work at once common and personal, the whole divine economy makes known both what is proper to the divine persons and their one divine nature. Hence, the whole Christian life is a communion with each of the divine persons without in any way separating them. Everyone who glorifies the Father does so through the Son in the Holy Spirit Everyone who follows Christ does so because the Father draws him and the Spirit moves him. So you cannot be devoted or worship one person in the Holy Trinity and not worship the other person in the Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity is, is within each other, interacting with each other. That's why we should, we should worship the Holy Spirit, should worship the Son, worship the Father. That's what we're made for. But each person of the Holy Trinity has, say, a different task, a different mission for communicating himself to us. So in, in this, this is what's called, if, if you think about the Holy Trinity, think about 
it's, it's, it's easier to think about what God is doing outside himself. So when God reveals himself, that's what it's called, a fancy word, it's called the economia. And it's just a fancy word for, for God revealing himself to us, to us creatures. And that's how we know God. But then there's another aspect of God that it, what's called theologia, or theology, what we, the term theology, of who God is in himself. Who is God? You ever ask that question? Who is God in himself? And again, it's a great mystery. We cannot know it fully. But we can know something about God. So Jesus said in the diary of St. Faustina, or St. Faustina was trying to figure out the essence of God. And Jesus said, no creature in heaven or on earth, no man or angel will ever know the true essence of God. But he said, if you want to get to know God, then study the attributes of God. So what are the attributes of God? Okay, so there are many attributes of God. So we can say simply, I'm going to try to put it simply for you, some of the attributes of God, not all the attributes, because I'd be here all day giving you the attributes of God, but just something for you to take with you. So the attribute of God is, say, a characteristic of who God is. So we can know God in two ways, who God is and who God is not. So there's both a positive statement, God is, and then there's a negative statement, God is not. So I'm going to go into some of these attributes of God, of who God is, and then you'll discover who God is not. So first of all, in some of these divine attributes of God, God is all loving or all good. God is love and the source of all love. There is no love lacking in God. God is the fullness of love, the fullness of love itself. God is all good. There is no evil within God. That is a lie from Satan. If you ever hear that God is punishing me, that's a lie from Satan. God is all good. He's not evil. He does not wish evil upon us. He only wishes good. He is goodness in himself. He is all good. So there is no bad in God. It says in 1 John, we have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. So if we want the fullness of a being that has full love, it is God himself. Second, God is all merciful. So God is all merciful, the mercy of, of God. It says in Jeremiah 31.3, with age-old love I have loved you, so I have kept my mercy toward you. That you cannot get a more merciful being than God himself. 
Think of this. Play, play this. Play this game. I always play this game. What if you were God, and you see the world right now? Would you have destroyed the world, or would you have had mercy on the world? I, I know myself. I, my patience would have run out already. The world would have been nuked if I was God. I would have started all over. But uh, thank God I'm not God. Aren't you glad I'm not God? Because I'm not all that. Mer- I'm not as merciful as God is. I'm not as merciful, but God is all mercy. He's all patient. He, that, that's why God gives us every chance for salvation. That's why he's merciful. That's why he does not exercise his justice right away. Sometimes when you see the news, you're like, God, just exercise your justice. Take them out, God. You ever hear, you ever feel that way? Take them out, God. But thank God you're not God. Thank God you're not God. He's got relents in his justice and gives us every chance of mercy. He's all merciful. You cannot get more merciful being itself, divine being, than God. God is all-knowing. The, the word omniscience. God knows everything. God knows past, present, and future, but is beyond time. He knows actions, events, and thoughts. God even knows our thoughts. Can you imagine that? So what you're thinking, God knows what you're thinking right now. Whether you're thinking good about this homily or whether you're thinking bad about this homily, God can see your thoughts. He knows your thoughts. God is all-knowing. So God does not need to study. He does not need knowledge from anyone. He is all-knowledge itself. He knows all creation He knows every creature that's out there. He knows every bug that's out there. Can you imagine that? God knows every bug and sustaining every single little bug that's out there. Even the mosquito. Even the mosquito. You know, people don't like mosquitoes because they bite us and suck our blood. But God knows every single mosquito that's out there. He knows every creature. Can you imagine that being? God is unchangeable. He remains the same. He is perfect itself. He is perfection itself. There is no imperfection in God. He remains the same, past, present, and future. He's the same God in the Old Testament. He's the same God in the New Testament. He's the same God when the church was established. God does not change himself based on the times or the philosophies of man. He remains unchangeable. God is all just. There is all justice in God. There is no injustice within God himself. He is the supreme judge who does not accept favoritism, does not accept bribes. He is all just. When God gives a judgment, It is completely just. God is infinite. He's not bound by anything. He's not bound. God is not material. He's not finite. He's not bound to any of the laws of this nature, of this universe. He's infinite. He's beyond. God is, there's, we can say that God is beginning and God is end. 
But there is really no beginning in God and no ending in God. He's infinite itself. God is. God is itself. There's no nothingness in God. God is existence itself. God is eternal. He always was, always will be, and is now never a point when he was not. Now you're saying, Father, I, I, I need some more coffee. I need some more coffee. Just try to think about nothingness. You can't think about nothingness. Because even thinking is something. There's always existence. And God is always, has always existed. Before time, even before we were born, God was there. God is all-powerful. That is, he's omnipotent. God can do all things, but is always true to his nature. God is almighty. He's almighty. He's got the entire world in his hands. He's almighty. He's got the entire universe in his hands. And he sustains every single creature. He sustains the planets. He sustains the stars and the universe. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. That you cannot flee from God like Jonah tried to flee from God and God took a whale and, you know, ate Jonah and then the whale spit him up. You can't flee from God. He's everywhere. He's in the depths of the deepest ocean and he's in the highest mountains on the earth. That God, he, as it says in the Catechism 42, God transcends all creatures. We must therefore continually purify our language of everything and in it that is limited, image-bound, or imperfect. If we are not to confuse our image of God, the inexpressible, the incomprehensible, the invisible, the ungraspable, with our human representations, our human words always fall short of the mystery of God. It, God is all truth, is another attribute. There is no lie in God. When God says something, it is truth itself. There's no duplicity in God. There's no hypocrisy when God says something. God is all holy. There is no sin in God. There's no defect in God. God is holiness itself. And this last attribute, God is all beauty, all glory in himself. God does not need something else to make him beautiful. There's no ugliness in God. We all desire beauty. We all desire to see beautiful things. Each one of us desires beauty within ourselves, within our souls, even within our bodies. God is all beauty itself. Think of the most beautiful things in creation. Most beautiful sunset. Most beautiful stars or sun or moon or mountains or whatever or the seven wonders of the world. And God is even more beautiful than even beauty itself. He is, we could say, he's beauty itself. And doesn't this make you want to strive to serve God? Make you want to strive for heaven? To see this God? To have what's called the beatific vision of God? And again, I could be here for the next half hour, 45 minutes, going into more attributes of God, but I won't do it. 
because I need to shorten this homily and, you know, go on with the Mass. But you can see just from the attributes of God. In the diary of St. Faustina, of all these attributes, and there's more I could give you, Jesus says to St. Faustina that mercy, divine mercy, is the greatest attribute of God. It's the greatest attribute of God. And the only thing I, I can think of, of why it would be the greatest attribute of God is because God is love within himself. God is all perfect within himself. God does not need another being. God did not need to create beings lower than, than himself. That is all happiness in himself. He's perfectly happy being God. He did not need to create any being outside himself, angels, men, animals, the world. But why did God create beings outside himself? Because of his mercy. Because he wanted to communicate his mercy, just the act of creation itself, of God creating something outside himself, other beings that are lowering the is an act of his mercy, is a communication of his mercy, because he wanted these, to draw these beings into his eternal blessedness, into his eternal holiness and happiness, and to share some of these attributes of God with these beings. And guess who these beings are? You and me. Human beings and the angels. That God wants to communicate all of these wonderful things to us. And that is why mercy is the greatest attribute of God. That's my opinion. I could be totally wrong. And I would be the first one to say, God, I'm totally wrong when I preach that homily. That's okay. But as I said, God is a great mystery. He's mercy itself. And everything that God has done for us from creation to redemption to sanctification, and he continues to do for us in forgiving our sins and giving us life and giving us a new day, giving us a new chance to worship him and honor him, giving us a chance for conversion. All of these characteristics, all of these actions of God are acts of his divine mercy toward each and every one of us. Know that you are loved by God. Know that you are created in the image and likeness of God. Know that God will continue to love you. Whether you serve him or whether you despise him, know that nothing will change God's eternal love and his eternal mercy for each and every one of you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking, 
and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.